Good morning, church. Uh, like was said earlier, my name is David Jones, and uh, so thrilled to be here on behalf of my wife, Kelly. And if you remember us from back in the day, you know she is the rock of our family. Uh, Kelly and our kids that are not back there because they're too old to be back there now, uh, Mia, Jackson, and Eli. Um, for a lot of you guys that, that I don't know and you don't know us, uh, just uh, thank you for having us, even though you didn't have a choice. Um, but we're super excited to be in, in here in this room, but also in this town. Like, it's going to be difficult for me because I, my mind jumps and I'm seeing faces that I haven't, and I'm going to start, it's going to be a challenge. But uh, so many things about Versailles is a little different. Um, like, this is how old I am now. Like, I remember when, <laughs> the day that changed my life, I remember when they built that Wendy's down there. It's just the best thing. Every Sunday night after senior high, that was, my, that was my reward. I don't know what you do for yourself, but you need to find a spot, Jake, because I would go drive through and get that spicy chicken combo with a Dr. Pepper, and it was a beautiful thing. I remember I was remembering yesterday, Randy, I was such a arrogant punk in so many ways, but <laughs> we moved here, and gas cost 99 cents at Thornton's, and uh, I thought that was great. And it wasn't like over time. It was like all of a sudden, within 10 days, the price just shot up. And I walked into Randy's office. I don't know if you remember this. This was down the road. And I was like, I'm done. I will not pay $1.42 for gas. <laughs> That's where I draw the line. I'll walk because I won't I do it, which I gave into very shortly the next time I needed gas. There's, there's memories from this room and, and, and this building. And I've got the video. I can't prove it, but I've got it somewhere. But before the day that they put these goals in, I came up and had someone video me making the first shot on that basket in a North Carolina shirt. Um, man, this church has changed. I used to get booed for that. God's grace is here. And, and so many more important things than that in this room and, and specifically over here in this baptistry. And I remember one message, you know, back when we preached up here, and I was uh, the student pastor at the time, but I was preaching down here with the adults, August 15th, 2004. And I was sharing in this message um, about my wife and I's struggle and journey of infertility and how, you know, we wanted to be pregnant. Uh, my wife wanted to be a mom more than anything since, since we were married and just years of just struggle and Eventually, that struggle turned into a real call, and God did something beautiful in us where it wasn't a plan B. It was a, it was a real excitement to adopt, and really just like, this is what we're supposed to do. And we had gone through all the channels and signed up and done all the stuff. We were just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for get the call to get a baby. That was, so I'm preaching this message, um, and I knew a little bit of what I was talking about. Most of it I didn't, but I was preaching this message on surrender on August 15, 2004. Christmas, fast forward three months, Christmas, we're home in North Carolina, we get a call from the adoption agency, um, uh, which is connected to, to what we just saw with, with that ministry you guys support, and um, they said, hey, we, we had already privately adopted uh, Jackson in the meantime, but we were still on the list, they said, hey, we, we got a, a baby girl for you, we know you already have one baby, but you're still on the list, and what do you think? And we're like, yeah, the more the merrier, right? So bring it on. So we came back in January of 2005, and we uh, adopted Mia in a, at a church in, in Lexington and found out then from her birth certificate that she was born August 15, 2004, just a few minutes before I was preaching on 
this stage. So, so many deep things, but I say that because I believe, not because I'm here at all, but because that's who God is. I believe that we may look back in weeks, months, or years, and, and maybe God spoke something to you today that, that will be life-changing as our adoption of Mia was life-changing for us. So when you adopt a baby, it's not about the legal process of, okay, we've adopted them now. Like, that's great, and that's fun, but it's, that's just a step to get to where we're going. The reason we adopt is so we could bring her home and be her mother and her father and bring her into our family, right? It's just not adopt for adoption's sake, and then we go back to life. No, it's adoption. Her life is forever changed. Our life is forever changed, and we, we, we say that we rescue, right? And today, the title of this message is Rescued for a Reason, right? It's not just for rescue's sake. Let me, I'm going to get back to Mia in a second because she ties into this story. But I, uh, part of the reason I'm here um, is to thank you guys. Uh, you guys have been, uh, you guys are ascending church, if, if you don't know, Relentless Church. We are having our fourth birthday in a few months. We launched on 9 14, 14. And this church um, got behind us in every way you can get, like, encouraging and support and prayer and finances. Uh, when you plan a church, we don't have any money, and that's where we were. And you guys helped us launch this church. Well, opening day, 9-14-14, there was a couple named Travis and Caroline Cook. Travis and Caroline um, came to church that first day. Found out later, Travis got tricked into coming. All right, men, if you've ever been there. Um, he, didn't, he didn't have any desire to be there in a church, in a theater, like that's weird and okay, so I'll, I'll come once so I don't, you know, have to hear about it and then go back to life. Well, they came and uh, God did something, they, they enjoyed it and they continued to come to Relentless Church. That's who we are because we serve a relentless God. What we get to say in our building back in Raleigh and in this building is that God is relentless. He doesn't give up on anybody and anybody includes you. So that's exciting today that he hasn't given up on any of us. We've given him reason to, right? But he doesn't. He just keeps coming. He's relentless with his grace. So, so they came to Relentless Church and something, you know, they kept coming back and eventually I got into their home and uh, our kids played basketball together and basketball has been the great uniter, you know, for a lot of things in our church because it's God's sport. If you didn't know, it's his favorite. <laughs> I mean, we can prove that later, but I don't have time. Um, so, so I'm in their house. I'm talking to Travis and he's like, and he's a straight shooter, which I love. He's like, hey, you need to know something about me. I love the church, but, um, but I don't believe in all the magic. I was like, I mean, I've been doing the best I can here. I hadn't pulled any rabbits out of hats. Like, what are you talking about, man? What do you, what do you mean the magic? He's like, you know, the magic, all the, like, supernatural, the miracles, the people raising from the dead. He's like, come on. He's like, I like everything, but I'm not, I'm not buying that. I'm like, man, you know what? We, we came to Raleigh, North Carolina to plant a church for people like you, people that are untold, unconvinced, not sure, that don't buy it. So keep coming. And, um, yeah, I don't know if I believe in the magic either, but I, but I do believe in Jesus, and uh, just let's see what happens. So we continued that conversation for years. Um, last year, I had a pretty deep conversation with Travis, and uh, he, was, he was starting to make some baby steps towards Jesus. And, and finally, I was like, dude, what would it take for you to say you're all in? Like, what, like what, it, what would it take for you to say I'm all in on Jesus? And he did not hesitate to answer with a videotape of the resurrection which I don't have, right? 
He's like, he's heard enough. He's heard the gospel preached enough time at Relentless. Like the gospel is based on the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, then you who in this room who call yourself Christians, you're the biggest joke in the history of humanity. It's the biggest waste of life. It's not, well, we were wrong, but we still didn't. No, you are the biggest punchline in the history of humanity. You have wasted your life more than any atheist. Like you're the worst thing ever if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. Pitiful, the Bible. The Bible says you're pitiful. I hate that word. But if he did raise from the dead, then that changes everything about everybody and everything going forward, past, present, future, and why I exist on this planet. So he, he, he knew enough about the resurrection that everything sat on that. So he said, hey, you show me the, the videotape so I can know that I know, and I'm in. So I'm like, Man, I don't know if i got to come back to that. So we'll just keep praying. So fast forward to Easter Sunday this year, and... Uh, Travis has been um, working with our worship team and playing on our worship team. And some of you know Seth and Stephanie Helfrich. They're the family that moved with us from Versailles to, um, to, to Raleigh to help us launch this church. And um, Seth leads our worship department. And that, that team's just been loving on Travis and just enjoying him, inviting him in. And he'd been playing with the worship team. And on Easter Sunday, his wife Caroline decides, um, you know, God's doing something in her heart. And eventually decides that on our May 20th baptism Sunday that she's getting baptized. All right, so Caroline, Travis's wife, is getting baptized. So we're super excited about that. And, so, and the weird thing is, so is Travis. He's like, I think it's great. Um, not for me, but I think it's great. Um, so that, you know, we knew that coming up to our baptism Sunday. Baptism Sunday, we have to plan ahead because we have to rent a baptistry from another church. We do it out behind the movie theater. The week of Thursday, the week of um, baptism Sunday, Travis calls me, and uh, he just he doesn't mess around. He starts the conversation with, hey, I think I'm getting baptized. I'm trying not to like freak out in my voice and like, oh yeah, that's cool. He goes, you know, we've been praying. We've been praying for this dude since we met him three and a half years ago. And I'm like, what, what happened? What's going on? Are like, are you all like, and he's like, man, I think I've been, I think I've been all in for a while. I was just scared to say it out loud, but I know what baptism is. I know what the gospel is and, and I'm ready. So that emotion was in us on May 20th. So I'm up on, on our stage telling, hey, uh, the, the stories, which I don't have to come, but this, this young lady, Michelle, um, who we're getting ready to marry to, to her fiance in a few months, she's getting baptized. Uh, a young girl named Lana, who amazing opposition that she's making a decision to be baptized. And, and then I get to tell them about Caroline and Travis. And it's just like when I told Kelly, when I got off the phone with Travis and I'm trying to tell Kelly, Travis is getting baptized and I can't get it out emotionally. And then she's crying and she's like, you know what, we, we can just retire. <laughs> like, right, this is, this, is, this is why we came and planted a church and could not have done. So like you guys have, kind of learned this from you guys, like you guys have on Baptism Sunday, we tell people, hey, you just heard the gospel and the message. So if you've got, what's up, guys? If, you, if you've got, um, if you've got, if you, if you want to be baptized, it doesn't matter. We got swimsuits, we got towels, we got t-shirts, we got, we'll videotape it. Like, you don't have to wait. You can be baptized today. Um, so I make that spiel, and I say, if you want to, though, you need to follow me right now out of the theater while they, the worship team leads us in a final song. So I give my spiel, walk off um, out of the theater, and I see, um, I see what I believe is my daughter moving down the steps. Now, my daughter, Mia, that I spoke of earlier, she's my oldest, but she's also my only child that has not been baptized. And we, we're really, like, we're a little weird about that. Like, this is, we're not going to push. This is going to be your call. We're going to answer questions, but we're not going to be pastors, kids that got to be back, you know, whatever. And, and her younger brothers had made that decision, and she hasn't. So I see her 
moving down the steps, but I also know my daughter. It wouldn't shock me if she chose to go to the bathroom at that very <laughs> moment. So I get out of the theater just like, okay, what's about to happen? I turn around to her, and there are tears in her eyes, and she's full of emotion and, and just full of God moving in her heart, which had been happening for a long time, but this was her day. So we go out back on May 20th, and, and my wife baptizes Michelle, and Lana's mom baptizes her, and Kelly baptizes Caroline, I baptize Travis, and then my wife and I together baptize my daughter Mia into Christ, amen. I think I got a picture, yeah, that's, uh, that's a, a nice hat, Jax, I didn't know you were wearing, but that, that's us doing the thing out out back. So I give you all that. One, because Mia is the 41st person we baptized since we started Relentless Church three and a half years ago. And you guys are in on that, right? So even if you never come visit us or whatever, if you've given a dollar, even if you have, you pray, like you're part of 41 lives making the decision of all decisions. But it doesn't stop there, right? Like we, we, our, our pitch to, to Mia and to Travis and to maybe if you've been made a decision for Jesus, our pitch is never, hey, make this decision and, and now you're good. Now you can kind of go back to life. Like you are good. That's, that's a piece of the truth of the gospel. But we believe that you're rescued for a reason, right? You're rescued and adopted. We say the gospel is the incredible news of our rescue and adoption. You're rescued. Why? So you can then be adopted into the family of God, the body of Christ, and to start to become like Jesus, to start to adopt the heart of the Father and live on mission, on reason, on purpose for what he created you to be and do and be a part of. You know, there's, there's two levels, and I, I, I'm not mad about this, so if you find yourself in one of these spots, like, don't feel condemned at all, but I just... I just know there's kind of two things in American Christianity. There, there's the Christian that, that believes this, like it's real, but it's like, hey, I, I, I need to do that, or I need to say a prayer or make a decision, because then, you know, like if this is true, and I think it is, then like I don't want to be on the wrong side of this at the end. You know what I'm saying? Like up sounds better than down. So, so I'm in on that, and, and then I'm going to go back to life, and I'm not going to ignore or turn my back on God. No, I, I, especially when... I need him, I'm going to call out to him, I'm going to believe him, I'm going to try to live a good life, but I'm, now I can kind of go back to life and do my thing, and then when, when I maybe get a bad diagnosis one day, man, I'm going to jump right back into his arms, and he'll be there, by the way, if that's how you choose to live, but, but then there's, there's this other form of Christianity that, that matches up with the Bible and scripture that is so much more meaningful and satisfying, right, so a lot of times if you're here it's not that life's bad. It's just like you feel like there's got to be more. There's something. There's an emptiness that maybe you can't explain. And, and this other deal is, hey, I've been rescued, but that's the beginning. I've been rescued for a reason. Like, I can't believe that he chooses me and he wants me and he plugs me into his kingdom and his mission. But he's like moving and doing stuff and changing lives. And he's, he's putting me into the game, right? Like, he's picked me and chosen me and equipped me and called me, not as a pastor, but just as a person who loves Jesus, and I get to be a part of what he's doing worldwide, rescued for a reason, and that, man, that, that's where it's at, right? Maybe we all need, and that's why we meet, if you didn't know, right? I'm impressed to see a room. Like, you know, this Sunday is one of the least attended Sundays in America of the year because it's Father's Day. Mother's Day packs the house because mama's in charge. Father's Day, where'd everybody go? Well, dad made decisions, right? That's where we are. Why is that? Well, because men are scum? No, I don't think so, right? 
I, don't, I mean, there are a few, right? But, but I don't think, I think that, that men, like, they're just not, like, our culture has changed a generation, two generations, a generation and a half ago. You were going to church, not because you wanted to, but because grandma, aunt, somebody was like, you just didn't want to hear it. So that's just what you did unless you were really anti. That's all changed. I think that's good, right? I think it's good that church attendance is really low percentage-wise in America that ever had, because people have realized, hey, I don't have to do that. I don't have to check a box. And there's a lot of men that's like, man, if, it's, if that's what it is, checking a box, man, I'm going to check the box a lot of other places on Sunday morning. I don't need that. But what we see, what you see, you start, you start talking about living on mission, rescued, not just so you're good now and you can go back to life. No, rescued for a reason, to get in the game. And you see men, you see women, you see kids, you see young, you see old, you see them step into that. It's like, man, it's almost as if we were designed for this. But I, and you probably, I know me, I need constant reminders. I need constant reminders. That's why we gather, to encourage each other to, hey, this is what it's about. Keep your eyes, like you got to keep focus. I remember, <laughs> I remember so many of things I used to do are coming back to haunt me. I remember picking on Randy, going to a restaurant, and, and, and him like doing the first time I saw him do this thing with the menu. I'm like, what, what game are you playing, man? What just, he's like, He's like, I'm reading the menu, man. I was like, well, why don't, you, why don't you read it like a normal person? He's like, and I just had the eye appointment a few weeks ago. You know the rest. We lose focus. That's why we come not just to worship together, but we, we, we come to remind each other, hey, we're rescued for a reason. This life is really, really, really short. Forever is really, really, really long. We want to live like we know what's coming and not be surprised by it. We want to live on point and on mission, and we need each other because it's so easy for me to get caught up in the temporary and the daily. And Paul, my guy Paul, who wrote more books in the New Testament than anyone else, he talks a lot about winning. Right? He uses that sports analogy, like I'm going to do whatever it takes to win, that I might help save some. And, and there's this great you know, quote we use in sports all the time. It's amazing what happens when no one cares who gets the credit. Well, that was stolen. That's really a biblical New Testament principle that's supposed to represent the church. Like, we're supposed to be that group, and we don't care who gets the credit. It's about winning, and winning, what is winning, we're going we're gonna to talk about. But what gets in the way of that is when we lose focus. And, and Paul's going to speak specifically today about a church that's, that's not together, a church that's divided. There was a church in a city called Corinth. We call the book 1 Corinthians. And they were divided on one issue. There was an issue that had split this church almost right down the middle. Half of them thought that, that we should pay for a new high school, right? The other half, sorry, I've just been here a few days, but I've heard a little bit about it. I asked Kelly if we could stick around to the 26th just to vote, because it's a big, but we're not. Some, that wasn't true. That was a lie. They were, they were divided, but it wasn't about a high school. Right? They were divided, and there's a bunch, like this has been speaking to me, and, and I, um, I won't give, I'll tell you the background before we get to the verse I want you to see, but Paul talks for about two chapters. Usually he gives like a whole chapter of just kind of like, we love you, grace and peace. He doesn't do that in Corinthians. He gives a little bit of that, and he's like, what's wrong with you people? Some of you are following Apollos, which is a person. Some of you are following Paul. Some of you guys are divided based on which preacher is your favorite, 
right? And it's not even preachers because it's more Christians. It's talking about some of them are arguing about that guy baptized me, so I'm on team Apollos. Well, Paul baptized me. Well, Cephas, I'm team Peter because he was actually like walked around with Jesus. Paul did. You know, Paul came later. Apollos never met Jesus. And they're arguing. So Paul's writing to them. That's kind of the background where we're going to pick up verse 3, 1 Corinthians 3. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, hey, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Rich, we might say to Paul, like, yeah, that's, that's what we are. We're human. So don't, like, of all the things you can get on me about, Paul, human, like, come on, that's, that's what we are. But, but remember, when we're rescued, what happens when we baptize someone in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit this process that I think you guys have been talking about for weeks in this series, this beautiful transformation of Jesus forming himself in me. Jesus Christ, they're raised from the dead, actually becoming alive in me. When that happens, I'm no longer merely human. I have power and access to the Jesus that unites. Our unity as a church sells Jesus to the world, right? So we're coming. Come on, I'm feeling like I'm at home now, right? So, so we're, we're, we're coming together in Jesus, and he's saying, listen, when I see all this strife and jealousy and fighting and lining up, like, that's human. That's not Jesus stuff. He continues. Verse 5, what is, what is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the, as the Lord assigned to each. That's a big verse. So, so he's like, Apollos, and this is Paul saying this. Paul, like, what, what are we? We're simply servants. If you're in the room, I don't care if you're 15 or 55 or whatever, if you're in the room and you've been rescued by Jesus, you've been rescued for a reason, you're a servant, you serve Jesus, and as far as spreading the word, this says that you've been rescued for a reason, you're a servant, and and people come to belief through God's servants. Like say, yeah, Apollos baptized you, but all he is is a servant, and he's serving God, and your belief came through his service. And again, if the New Testament is clear about this. This is not specific to people who preach from a stage. It's specific to Christians. You are a servant whom other people will come to believe through your servitude. And, and look at the end. And the Lord assigned people to you. What? I'm so glad I'm here for so many reasons today. One of them is I don't have to work on loadout team at home. We load in, we load out every week in the theater. And we learn on loadout team, we got capable, willing, wonderful people, but we had to have leadership because we got people standing around wanting to help, but they don't know what to do. And if they don't know what to do, they can actually mess something up and equipment and all that. So we had to assign people, hey, you're on lights, you're on cords, you're on the stage, and you're on this cart, you're on elementary, you're on all this stuff. We had to assign people their task, and it goes way smoother. This says that you, if you're a Christian in the room, God assigns you to people to serve them, and their belief is going to be in God, but it's going to come through your service. Well, you're like, well, how do I know? I'd like to get that email. Who am I assigned to? I have no idea, right? But, but you can figure it out based on like, who God puts in your path, who he moves next to you, right? who you work beside. Really, I would say it this way, who you have influence over, who would listen to you. Right? If, if, you don't, if they don't know you, then, you know, that may not be somebody. There's somebody in your life you might be. There may be somebody in the room. Maybe somebody not here that, like, God's putting on your heart right now. I'd say that's a pretty good chance if he's putting them on your mind right now. That might be somebody God's assigned to you. And we just serve. And through that service, people come to believe the gospel. And God assigns people to everybody. Verse 6, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered. 
but God gave the growth. We talk about that all the time at Relentless. We plant, we water, we plant, we water, we plant, we water. We don't grow nothing. Right? My kids, we had to stop, uh, we had to stop measuring. We were measuring too often. We were measuring their height every month, and it just, like, there's a few months, it's like, somehow you shrunk. <laughs> so we got to measure, like, every quarter because it's really discouraging to see that you're not any taller than you were. And, and we can say, hey, you need to get some sleep and you need to eat certain foods, and there's truth in that. But at the end of the day, I have no ability to make my kid grow. I, like, I don't, I mean, I pray, I do pray that <laughs> sometimes to help them grow. But, but I don't have, and spiritually, we, we, we plant, we water, we plant, we water, we plant, we water. We work hard, we pray hard, we plant, we water, but we don't make anybody grow. Verse 7, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Go ahead and tell us what you think, Paul. He who plants and waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. It's about God. Yeah, he's going to use his servants. That's us. We don't care who gets the credit, right? We were going to run from any kind of spotlight and pedestal. You know, this is, this is a big reason. Like, I didn't get this early days, youth pastor days in my 20s. I thought, I mean, I would have told you it was God because that's the right thing to say, and God was definitely moving. We had all these teenagers, and it was an amazing time, but somewhere along the line, I started to think, man, I'm, I'm growing this thing. Right? And that, that, like, that doesn't sound like as bad a sin as some other things, but I'm telling you, that's the most toxic, dangerous thing to start to think that you have anything to do with what is only God's stuff. It's only him. That, that's, why, that's why baptisms move us. I know you guys have had some, just some cool stories in, in Journey and as we have in Relentless. Like I can go to any state, any city in America and attend a service, and I see somebody getting baptized, it touches me because it's a miracle. And like, we can't pull that off. We can't make someone believe that a dude raised from the dead and loves them more than we can ever imagine. Only God is the miracle. It's the magic that Travis was talking about. And now he's a part of the magic that he used not to believe in. Here, here's uh, two verses I just want to kind of sit on and leave you with today. John 15, Jesus said this, abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What it was abide mean? It just means to connect, to stay tight, right? To, 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 to be interwoven. Like Jesus said, hey, abide in me. Like stay with me. Stay connected with me. The branch is never going to do anything of value on its own. So stay with me. Verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine. Not you. I'm the vine. You're the branches. I don't flow out of you. You flow out of me. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? People have been trying to disprove this document, this historical document we call the Bible for 2,000 years. Right? And this is one that, that people use sometimes because Jesus was clearly wrong because Steve Jobs, like there's all kinds of people that have accomplished amazing things, and we don't know that they did it through or with Jesus, so obviously that's not true, because there's a lot of people in the room and in the city and in the county and the area that have lived good, productive lives, maybe completely disconnected from Jesus, so obviously Jesus is wrong, and, and he never is. What he's talking about is that when we finish this tiny, tiny little short snap of a finger life, what will matter then Jesus is saying, nothing outside of what you did connected to me. We won't be discussing the vote in heaven, right? 
We won't be discussing so many things that we spend so much energy and stress, and me too. And Jesus said, when you stay connected with me, when you stay tight with me, this, this life that's, you know, kind of for show, or man, I feel guilty because I haven't read my Bible, and, and I maybe should, like, that's not, there's no life giving in that. It's just stress and pressure and Americanized whatever. But this becoming like Jesus, Jesus forming himself in me, Jesus knowing my worst thought, knowing my worst day, knowing my limitations, knowing my sins, knowing my past, knowing my flaws, and still loving me today like he always has. And actually watching him and getting to spend a time with him, I feel like actually seeing Jesus form himself in us. Like, that's not you. I see Jesus in how you're fathering, Father. So I see Jesus, I see Jesus becoming alive in you. That's a miracle. That's what we want. How does that happen? It happens from abiding, it's connecting, it's staying tight. That's all that matters. There's not, there's only things I want to be. I want to be a good husband. I want to be, all these things that I really want, they all flow out of that. If I get connected with Jesus, right, everything else won't be perfect. Everything else will be right. God will handle it. So I'm trying to devote my life to just abiding. A few weeks ago, my kids and some of their friends, we went to the park to play Ultimate Frisbee. Don't ask, right? So we did, and and it was a blast, actually, but beforehand, I, I didn't want to, you know, have my phone or put my phone down, get it stolen or stepped on. So I took the phones of the group, and I put them in the van and locked it so I didn't have to worry about that. And then I had the keys in my pocket. And then we played and played, and it was almost getting dark, so it was like time to go. And I reached in my pocket, and there's no keys. All right, so now, well, I just call Kelly and have, well, the problem is the phone is locked in the van. Here I have this amazing piece of equipment with an engine and ignition and gas and fuel and everything that makes a car go, and I have no access to it because I don't know where my keys are. But my kids, because they're awesome, they're like, oh, Dad, you set your keys over there. It's like, no, I didn't. I put them in my pocket, but they were right where they told me they were. <laughs> and then we got in the van, and everything was cool. I don't tell you that story about the van for the van. I tell you that story about uh, abide. Like, if, if you just need to leave today with, like, man, a big week ahead, big day, I don't even know one thing. Right, the ignition to this whole thing we call life, the key to this whole thing is not just Jesus, which is, it is, but it's abiding. It's connecting. It is being tight. It is having a real relationship who knows what you're thinking right now and loves you like more than you can ever. It's, it's abiding and connecting and staying tight with Jesus. It's believing that we're rescued if you've never been rescued today, man, my heart beats for you, and God's heart more than mine beats for you. If you've never been rescued, that is available today. If you have been rescued, it's not just so you can have things squared away for the future. It is that you're rescued for a reason, and the reason is that Jesus would form himself in you and do miracles in you and use you as a servant to help other people believe and to be and live on mission, on purpose, to be about God's heart and God's plan and God's kingdom until he calls us home, which is coming, right? Closer today, June 17th, closer than we've ever been. Pray with me. Father, we are in awe that you keep coming. God, if I was you, I would have given up on me so long ago. God, if I was you, I would have, I would have made an example out of me because I deserved that so many times. But God, that you would 
Not just rescue us. God, we could talk all day and just praise you all day for the rescue that Jesus came and became my sin. What? Like that you would let him become my shame and my guilt and the worst. Like you would let him bear my punishment that he did nothing to deserve. He was perfect and yet he became the nastiest of all of us at once on the cross. And he chose to. And you sent him on purpose because you loved us that much. God, we could just sit in that rescue all day long, but that you even better than that, that you would rescue us to then start forming Jesus in us, that you would love us and be patient with us. And over a lifetime, we could start to see Jesus have his way in our hearts and minds. And when it happens, God, it's not painful and it's not awful. It's like the most beautiful, satisfying, full life thing we've ever felt. God, we've been rescued and adopted for a reason. Help us live that out as a worldwide church and as this specific church and this body. And God, whatever whatever you may need to do this morning in hearts and minds, God, we give you, we give you the room. We just ask your spirit to move and speak as we worship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.